Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me by ordering the memoir of Brian Grant and his battle with young-onset Parkinson's called Rebound. If you know someone with Parkinson's or you know nothing about Parkinson's, you will want to read Brian's story. Order your copy on Amazon or visit your favorite brick-and-mortar bookstore to grab one. Are you a Kindle reader? Audiobook listener? We've got those versions as well. Support Brian's foundation, which supports those afflicted with Parkinson's, and pick up your copy today. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram, at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places. There's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily, but not exclusively involving the NBA. And that is here. Giannis Antetokounmpo will not play when the Milwaukee Bucks face the Phoenix Suns in Game 1 of the NBA Finals Tuesday. And Bucks fans should consider that good news. For proof, look no further than the Bucks. Game 6 win over the Atlanta Hawks when Trey Young, clearly not 100%, played anyway and could not perform anywhere close to his capabilities. It disrupted the flow the Hawks had developed playing without him the previous two games. Yes, they split those two games, but they didn't lose the second because of Trey's absence. They lost because Milwaukee was the more desperate team, playing on their home floor, knowing that their season might be over if they had to go back to Atlanta in a must-win situation, and subsequently outwork the Hawks in every category. The Bucks play a vastly different game with and without Giannis. Regardless of how effective he is playing offensively, the ball is in his hands a lot. In Game 3, his last full game before hyperextending his right knee, he and Chris Middleton had more than a third of the team's plays run for them. Drew Holiday, point guard Drew Holiday, in name only at this point, or at that point, had a meager 15% share, and Brooke Lopez, a 12% cut. Now, without Giannis in Game 5, the distribution went to the front court, heavy, where Bobby Portis and Brooke imposed their size on the Hawks, 
both participating in a quarter each of the offensive action. Drew and Middleton took back seats. Game six, it flipped. Portis and Lopez focused on the defensive end of the floor where they had 190 defensive ratings respectively. That means that while they were on the floor, had they been on the floor for 48 minutes, they would have given up 90 points with Lopez on the floor or 100 points in the case of Portis. Anyway, they were far and away the two best ratings on the team. Middleton and Holiday, meanwhile, took over the offense, each carrying a third of the load as far as offensive plays run. I'm in no way saying the Bucks are better without Giannis. I know that's being thrown out there in some way, shape, or form in other places, but it's a bit silly. He's too good. Uh, there's a reason he's a two-time MVP. Is he your go-to guy? No. Is he complete player? Superstar? I don't put him in that category. I won't put him in that category until he definitively wins a series or a title where you say the Bucks won that series or title because of Giannis Antetokounmpo. We have yet to be able to say that of any series, including the sweep of Miami in the first round. Bottom line is they're going to need him at some point if they hope to win a title. But Bucks are coming off two double-digit wins in which the other core players on the team stepped up as needed in whatever role was required. Reintroducing Giannis into the team for the first game of the finals would threaten the chemistry, flow, and roles established in the Bucks' last two games. In the intensity of the finals, I'd rather have a Bucks team at this point looking to extend its current groove rather than risk losing it for the reward of having their most dynamic two-way player back in the mix, but inevitably not close to his optimum. The finals create a pressure atmosphere unlike any other. I've seen players walk into the arena for the first time and gaze at the finals logos on the floor and the bunting in the stands in awe. And this is shoot-around. This is before you get the high-energy, high-intensity crowd in the building thirsting for that, in this case, first championship in decades. It's similar to the scene in Hoosiers where the players walk into the arena for the state championship slack-jawed at the size of the place. And, and again, earlier in the day when the place is empty. And to break the ice, Gene Hackman as the coach pulls out a tape measure and makes a show of checking the height of the baskets so that he can inform the team that they are exactly the same as the ones back at their little Hickory High gym. It's his way of breaking the ice. The Bucks get to go into Phoenix as the decided underdogs. Little expectation on them to win with Giannis not in uniform. And again, it would be different even if Giannis is compromised if he were actually playing. And all of this is even though they closed out the Hawks series without him. The Suns, meanwhile, 
carry the double burden of being on their home floor and being the favorites. Chris Paul comes into the series with the burden of being the favorite to win finals MVP. It can be argued that this is the first series the Suns enter as the decisive favorite, despite finishing with the second best record in the West. The Lakers were supposed to beat them. The Suns were favored against the the Nuggets without Jamal Murray, but it was supposed to take at least six games. The series with the Clippers was expected to go at least six, if not seven, and the only reason that the Clippers were not favored was because of the questionable health of both Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. The highest odds right now are on the Suns beating the Bucks in five, and largely I imagine that's because of Giannis's absence. The Bucks can't win the series without Giannis, essentially because Mike Budenholzer rode six players in the Hawks series after Antetokounmpo was injured. Portis, P.J. Tucker, Lopez, Drew, Middleton, and Pat Connaughton as the lone player off the bench getting any significant minutes. They can't possibly last against a Suns team that has given significant minutes to nine different players throughout these playoffs and has all nine available for the start of the series. With Giannis out, Drew Holiday has the opportunity to be the primary ball handler and playmaker. I would also expect he'll be on Chris Paul and pose a far greater challenge than Patrick Beverly did in the last series for several reasons. One, Holiday isn't going to get emotionally wrapped up in CP3's antics the way Pat Bev did, ultimately shoving Paul in game six when he hit a three and then said something derogatory over his shoulder in Pat Bev's direction. If you doubt that, watch the tape. Beverly is headed for the Clippers bench. Paul turns his head and says something. Bev catches it and then walks toward Paul to shove him in the back. Referee Mark Davis must have heard it too, because he's walking toward Beverly and Paul before Beverly gets to Paul, as if Mark Davis anticipated that whatever Paul said might elicit a reaction. In any case, you're not going to see Holiday lose his cool. He is both taller and stronger than Pat Bev, listed as 6'3 and 205 pounds, and every bit as accomplished and dedicated as a defender. Actually, if you're asking me between the two, I'd take Holiday over Pat Bev all day, every day. But I've been mystified during this playoff run by Budenholzer's use of Chris Middleton as a defensive stopper more often than Drew Holiday. He had him guard Kevin Durant for extended minutes whenever P.J. Tucker wasn't. So I can't guarantee Holiday will be on Paul. But Budenholzer is in the minority here because, if I'm not mistaken, Holiday and Giannis Antetokounmpo were both first-team all-defense. Why those two weren't getting more of the assignment of guarding Durant, I'm not sure. I talked about it in a previous podcast. There was only a handful of times where we saw Antetokounmpo on Durant, and he was surprisingly deferential in those instances. 
swinging the ball and allowing somebody else to attack. Now, as I said in the podcast when I mentioned it previously, I don't think it's because Durant was intimidated by Antetokounmpo, although very rare in Durant's career that he's been matched up with someone just as long, just as tall, and just as athletic. I think it was more, it's got to be a better matchup here than me, and I'm not going to force it here. I don't have anything to prove against the guy that allegedly he said to Jay Williams, don't ever compare me to him. We'll leave that conversation for another day, or that debate in any case. Lots of TV elements involving ESPN and the people that work in TV and how TV works in general. Obviously, you've heard of the Maria Taylor, Rachel Nichols recent kerfuffle. Uh, I've got some thoughts on that. I'll share those with you in another podcast at some point. In any case, I hope that Holiday is matched up against Paul. That would resolve the cross-matching problem that the Clippers had when they used Terrence Mann or Nick Batum on Paul in that he wasn't guarding them, so after a missed shot, they had to find him in transition rather than simply stay with the man guarding them. That's always a problem. Chris Paul is also going to have to expend energy on defense that really wasn't required against the Clippers when Pat Bev was on the floor. Between Middleton and Holiday in the backcourt, he's going to have to guard someone. Now, I could see Monty Williams having him on P.J. Tucker, but I then hope Milwaukee ran some action that allowed Tucker to post him up. At 6'5", and I don't know how what his, his listed weight is, but P.J. Tucker is a, is a truck. Uh, Chris Paul, as strong as he is and as feisty as he is, should not be able to win that battle. Portis and Lopez are simply too big for him to even consider guarding, especially the way they're currently playing. Paul on Tucker, though, means that Devin Booker has to guard either Holiday or Middleton. Whichever one it is, advantage Milwaukee. Percentage-wise, the Suns and Bucks have been two of the best teams in the playoffs defending the three-point line. But I don't know ex- exactly how much credit to give them. The Clippers consistently missed open shots against the Suns, and the Bucks benefited from Bogdan Bogdanovich not being healthy at the start of the series, and Trey Young missing two games and then shooting abysmally, as in 0 for 6, in Game 6. Both the Suns and the Bucks have demonstrated that they can play stingy team defense overall, so don't be surprised if the majority of games barely break 100. Percentage-wise, field goal percentage-wise, opponents field goal percentage-wise, these are two of the three best teams in the playoffs overall. The presumption is that Suns center DeAndre Ayton will have a decided advantage if he's matched up with Brook Lopez, presumably because he had no problem with Andre Drummond and was supremely effective against Nikola Jokic and Avica Zubac and Nick Batum. He's... Aiton has been great. He's been the guy who has not received nearly enough shine for what he's done throughout these play, these playoffs. He's impressed me. He is far better, already far better, than, quite honestly, I ever thought he might be. 
But all this is shortchanging Lopez as a defender. He is a little more mobile than he looks. He gives effort on every play, and he's smart. He knows how to use his length, and he knows how to play angles. His defense for the Bucks this postseason has been consistently outstanding. The matchup I'll be watching most closely is Bobby Portis versus Jay Crowder. Again, if that's what we get. I could see Portis winning it, but Jay is a physical defender and can preserve all his energy for the job at hand since relatively little is asked of him on offense other than to space the floor. If Crowder keeps Portis in single-digit scoring, the Bucks will have a hard time winning. On the other hand, if Giannis makes it back and is matched up with Crowder, and Portis is coming off the bench against the likes of Dario Saric or Cam Johnson, the big performances he had against the Hawks, I would expect, will continue. The biggest advantage the Suns have is Monty Williams with a deeper, more versatile bench than Mike Budenholzer, who has been very slow to make adjustments and does not have nearly the same deck to play with. I like campaign over Jeff Teague in a matchup of backup point guards. Then again, I like almost any backup point guard over Teague, who is just too damn indecisive for the position. Torrey Craig is another defensive body for Monty to throw at Chris Middleton when Mikal Bridges isn't on him. I could see this, as an aside, being a very tough series for Middleton as far as scoring, unless Monty does him the favor of having Devin Booker guard him, which is a possibility. As of right now, I can see the Bucks stealing one of the first two games in Phoenix. But the Suns winning the series in six if Giannis does not return. If he does, and he dedicates himself to being a defender, rebounder, transition nightmare, roller in pick and rolls with Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton, and generally a beast in the paint offensively, while allowing Holiday to run the show, I like the Bucks' chances of winning in seven. That does it for this episode of On the Ball, this pre-finals episode of On the Ball on the United Wecast Network. Please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It's always much appreciated. Well, in the next podcast, we will be able to talk about game one of these finals. I don't know about you. I'm looking forward to it. I hope that (laughs) game one doesn't dash all the mystery and, and intrigue and make this series feel like a fait accompli without Giannis Antetokounmpo. That's what I'm hoping for. We shall see. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening. What was that? 
Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, Fresh. 